Live episode 45. Uh, YouTube and Twitch, are you with me? Do you have audio? Sounds like, or possibly you didn't hear any of that sound. Do you have sound on Bill O'Reilly? Twitch and YouTube? Thumbs up if you did. Thumbs up if you can hear me, Twitch and YouTube. Does it look good, Cease? It's good. Can't hear you on YouTube. Twitch good over here on some YouTube. Okay, I think we're good. If you're having trouble, try to refresh. I'm not 100% sure what's going on. It's always a little fuckery around here. That's how we do it on Dark Horse Live. It is a live show. All right, everybody, welcome. Episode 45, fucking Super Week, Super Sunday, Super Bowl Central. Uh, are you ready? Today on the show, we're going to talk about breeding. 101 level class, 100 level class. We're not getting super in-depth, but we're going to talk some breeding. Uh, we have Name That Tune. And we got a little news. So actually, let's do the news real quick. This is short and easy, but I want to do this. Wow, I didn't hear that sound either. Either way, whatever, we'll keep rolling. I have official fucking documents today. Okay, they didn't print correct at all. Sweet, we're on fire. It's all right, I got it double backed up. All right, here's the news. This just came in. The U.S. Labor Agency, marijuana trimmers, grow room employees cannot unionize. Marijuana cultivators, trimmers, sorters, packagers cannot form unions because they qualify as agricultural laborers, according to a watershed new ruling from the U.S. Labor Regulators. And the decision was released last week by the National Labor Relations Board, and um, that seems to be kind of fucked up. I mean, there's more detail there, but that's the gist of it. That's the fucking headline. That's the news. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of fucked up. There was a company in P Pittsburgh or PA that was trying to do a union, and they got shut the fuck down. But I don't really see a, like a, a expert grower being just an agricultural worker. Like some of these growers make hundreds of thousands of dollars, and I think they're kind of lumping them into like 
a guy in a field like picking fruits or something. So I don't really know, but that's an interesting ruling that marijuana cultivators, trimmers, sorters, packagers can't form unions. Again, not that I think that unions were coming strong, but uh, that's a kick in the dick. I don't think that's that chill. Anyway, let's go to free shit, man. Free shit. It's free! <clears throat> All right. I can't hear the sound. Hopefully everyone hears the sounds. It's weird. I have no, I have no sounds in my headphones. They're useless. But, uh, anyway, I'm going to play the sounds. This one's for... What are we doing first? We're doing Name That Tune and the packs. What's the packs? We're doing Bloody Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, Bloody Sunday. That's what you're going for here. Sunday Driver, Thanos, 12-pack. Um, name that tune in the chat. The first one up will be all the folks on IG. We're looking for you on IG. You name this tune. I want the... It's been too easy lately, so I'm going to have to go with the name of the artist and the name of the song. All right, you ready? This is for IG only. Go. Hey, OG, could you tell me how to find some good weed? I need it on me, oh, so bad. That last bag was the best weed I ever. I need the name of the artist and the song title. A little bit harder. This one's a little harder, YouTube. Hopefully you're you're with it. Twinkle had her. Good job, homegrown Twinkle. Sunday, bloody Sunday coming to you. Last one up for grabs here on the old chat bullshit. Uh, let's go with um, Twitchers. Twitchers only. Are you ready, Twitch? Here you go. Up for a pack. Buzz and B. Buzz and B's got her. 
All right. Way too slow. That's how we do it on here. Some people get pissed. Some people have better internet connections than others, and they win. That's how it works. For all of you who are salty right now who did not win, I'm going to give you a chance to win this Super Sunday. See this logo right there? Where the fuck is it? Right down there? Super Bowl logo? Yeah. All right, so this is how it works. You're going to email me at the email on your screen right now, darkhorsegeneticslive at gmail.com. Email me who's going to win and what the score is going to be. And if you get the score within three points or perfect, you're going to get free seats. Everybody. Not just one, two, three. Anybody. If you get the score within three points, I will give you free fucking seats. So there you are, degenerate gamblers out there. Dark Horse Genetics Live. Give me your Super Bowl picks. I think I'll let you know right now. I'm going Chiefs. I think Chiefs are going to smash them. I'm confident. I might even have to put some money down since I'm a degenerate gambler myself. I'm going to throw a stack on the old Chiefs this weekend and make the pressure ratchet the way the fuck up this Sunday. Holler if you hear me out there. All right, that's the free shit. That is the free shit. All right, moving along. Now we are going to talk about breeding and shit. All right, class is in session. Sort of. Move that up. There you go. All right, how to breed cannabis seeds. Hopefully I can remember how to do all this shit. Again, this is entry-level shit. Like, I'm not going to go into super high-level detail, but uh, this is basically um, ins and outs of cannabis breeding. All right, if this works. That's not correct. That's not what I'm looking for. And we're off. Disclaimer, don't, don't break any laws. All the information in this is for educational purposes. Consult your local laws before growing cannabis. Don't be a dipshit. All right, why to breed cannabis? Uh, seeds are expensive. Making F2s will get you the most bang for your buck. Uh, you can make seeds for next season. But if you, um, you're buying a high dollar pack of seeds, you probably shouldn't be throwing away the mail right away because you can simply make F2s and create a fuck ton more seeds. So uh, we'll start there. Um, you can also preserve a line if you're moving like across the world, across the country. If, you, know, you can literally preserve a line for time. So if you want to get back to it at a later time or something's come up where you can't grow for a little while, you can make seed to time capsule shit, which is another reason why some people will be interested in making their own seeds. Uh, you can also do it to create new flavors or stabilize medically valuable strains. That's kind of a no-brainer, but a lot of us are just after the new new strain, new flavor, new hot shit coming out. Some of us might want to look backwards because there's a particular medical ailment that they're trying to help themselves with or someone they know. So if it's not readily available, you might be able to breed what you need. Um, and that's been a case for a lot of people, I think. Uh, hobby, it's fun. Learn a new skill to become a more well-rounded gardener. It's important, I think, if you want to become master grower, you need to know everything about the plant, all facets of the plant, how to grow it, how to cook with it, how to breed it, you know, everything about it. So if, if you want to learn cannabis inside and out, you should just take it up as a hobby real quick, do a quick side project. Real quick disclaimer, um, be careful. Like pollen, I don't take this to the bank, but pollen can travel like four miles or some shit in the air. So be careful. If you're going outside 
it's not a good idea to go outside and stick some of your male plants and try to do some project and your neighbor's got a patch or someone down the road's got a patch. You don't want to be the guy in the neighborhood that fucks everything up for everybody. So be careful with what you're doing. I would recommend doing breeding projects indoors, at least in a greenhouse at the very minimum. But uh, be cognizant of your neighbors because you can fuck their whole world up. But uh, yes, moving forward. <laughs> Again, this is elementary, but to breed cannabis plants, you're going to need a male and a female plant. If you don't know what a male is, right there on the left is a picture of what a male looks like. On the right, a female plant. Underneath, there's a close-up of what you're going to look at, the node intersections or the node sections to see of a smaller plant or a younger plant. You can zoom in and look or just look with the naked eye generally and see what a male or a female plant looks like. Um, pre-flowers, but yes, that's a male pre-flower or female pre-flower also. Choosing males. This is one of the questions that we get asked all the fucking time. Um, male selection is important to the offspring. A lot of people ask me, which side contributes more? That's not how it works. Genetics don't really work like the mother produces more every time or the father produces this every time. It's not exactly like that. So we'll get into why that is. But uh, male selections are important, and I think the best breeders are some of the best uh, selectors of male plants. Um, so how do you choose a male? I would say... You start with a stem rub, of course. If you don't know what a stem rub is, you can literally walk up to a male plant and rub the stem of it and uh, smell your fingers, and you should be able to get a light smell of the direction that the plant's going. It's not going to be like, oh, this smells exactly like skunk, and it's going to taste like skunk. It's like, no, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for unique you know, perfume fragrances coming off the plants. We're looking for something special, something that's not run in the mill like everything else. But if you find a, a stem rub, generally you can find stinky plants sometimes at a young age. They'll, they'll smell. So um, you just rub the plant. But more than just a stem rub, I think that's elementary. More than that, I always look at structure. Like structure is very important to me. Internode length is key. And I'll explain what an internode is in a minute. But internode length is key to me. It's probably one of the most important factors that I look at when I select a male. Uh, the size, the strength, and the smell, the photoperiod stability, and the, uh, and the flower cluster. So what you're doing is you're looking at multiple things to contribute to the offspring here. It's not just, oh, that smells dank. Is it tall and lengthy? Does it fall over? Can it support itself? Um, is it stable in, in flower? So when you flower a male, and this is one thing we'll talk about, when you flower a male, um, you, it's a still, essentially still a flower cluster. And you can see the, the male pods forming, the pollen sacs forming, but sometimes you also see a female bud site form. And that is the same thing as a hermaphrodite, but on the male side. So how, st how stable is that male in a 12 and 12 flower period? Also, how stable is it in a 24-0 or 18-6 when you're trying to keep that as a male mother, or I guess we call that a father. But when you want to keep a male around for a long time, generally sometimes that's hard to do too because they'll want to auto-flower on you or auto-pollinate on you, auto-pollen drop on you. Um, but yeah, choosing a male is, I would say, look at the internode of length. Uh, also, this is a key factor here. Choose multiple males for your breeding projects and clone them and work backwards after creating the offspring. You don't know what this male is going to contribute to your cross. So if you take cuttings of all your males, let's say you have, we're doing a small project out of a pack of seeds. This, this talk is geared towards the home grower that's making a hobby batch of seeds, not a large-scale commercial grower. But uh, if you're making a small batch of seeds, clone all the males and then use each male in a breeding project, look at the offspring and see what it contributed, and then you can go back to the clone of that male and say, 
This male provides this, and we'll talk about what this is here. Again, understanding internodes, this is something I said I would explain. Just if you don't know what an internode length is, what I'm describing here is above on the left-hand side is the internode. See the, bra the bracket? It's showing the length, the distance between where the node starts and the next node starts. If you have a really long internode length, it's not something that's attractive to me in a male plant. I like a short, bushier, stockier plant. Uh, again, if you don't, node is basically where the clones come, where, you, where you're going to want to take your clone. A node is also where you're going to see uh, your pre-flowers for your male, female. But if you have a really super long, elongated internode, I tend to steer away from that from stability's sake alone. But that's a simple picture of an internode. Yeah, I can shrink myself, I think. Uh, Caesar told me to shrink myself because I'm blocking the whole thing. There's a lot on here, so I'll try to put this PowerPoint up for everyone to see also. Um, I'm not that important, though, so let's just fucking take me out of the equation. I could probably go on the top that way. There you go. Hopefully that works. Uh, all right, anyway, so best breeding practices. Um, is this out of order? I kind of feel like this might be out of order. Either way, it doesn't matter. This is important. Best breeding practices. Using other people's seeds to breed. This is a question that we got, and I want to address it. Uh, think of it like music. If you buy a CD and you want to use it at home, make a copy for your friends and family, it's cool. But if you bought the CD and copied it and put it up for sale as your own work, that would be unethical and pretty whack. It's a scumbag move to sell S1s of someone else's work or to sell F2s of someone else's work. The best practice is to ask breeders for permission to use his or her work in... Uh, release that you plan to sell. If you ask and you don't hear anything, then you did your best and it is what it is. You know what I mean? If you, if you send out that request and you don't hear it back, then it is what it is. Um, <clears throat> to be clear, uh, you can buy seeds and you can do anything you want with them. So you can make F2s for yourself, your friends, your family. The only time it gets sideways is when you want to sell those seeds. Um, if you're an expiring breeder, make your own males. If you hit every clone in the world to a super stud male, uh, or clone only in the world to the super stud male that you make, nobody can really ever come at you sideways because you're doing your own work on the male side. This will save you from online trolls, uneducated fanboys. You think trolling you will gain them favor from other breeders. Remember, nobody owns this plant. People have nothing, or people have done ugly things in the name of cannabis breeding, but they all had to use someone's work before them to get where they wanted to go. I've yet to meet the breeder who never used anyone else's work. Ethics matter to me. So I know for a fact that was supposed to be like one of the last slides. Five, four, three. And that's not the right shit either. Things are falling apart. Things are falling apart quick. Hold on, guys. Let me get it back on track. There we go. Okay. Sorry, we're jumping around. What female to use? Back to the, back to the basics here. Uh, the benefit of taste on females. So you have the benefit of tasting your females. So again, we just talked about what males to use, but uh, what females to use. So the benefit of tasting the flower. You can smoke it. You can taste it. You know what the terps are like. Um, use your best clones and your favorite taste and your best structure. I mean, that's kind of the way I look at uh, using females for, for cannabis. Consider test results like THC, CBD, CBN. Um, make pairing like you're cooking. This is something I tell people all the time, is if you're trying to put two strands together, don't just slap something that sounds cool by name. That's one of the dumbest things you can do. 
Consider the terps, the flavor, the effects, and pair that like you are making food. Nobody wants to eat, I don't fucking know, toothpaste and chocolate. It's just not like, you know, something you want to eat. So don't make a strain that's going to be similar to that. Understanding genetics. So what is an F1, what is F2, 3, 4, IBL, S1, cubing, IBL, S1, first S1. So Gregor Mendel. Uh, this is important. This is eighth grade science, but I'm just going to breeze through it real quick. Through his work on the pea pod plants, he discovered the fundamental laws of inheritance. He deduced that the genes come in pairs. They're inherited as distinct units, one from each parent, offspring, therefore inherit one genetic allele from each parent when sex cells unite in fertilization. This is a pundit square. You need to understand a pundit square. Again, eighth grade science, but you need to understand a pundit square to understand what breeding is and how to get to where you want to go. This is two minutes on pundit squares so we can all just learn real quick. Thanks for stopping by. Today we're talking about the basics of pundit squares. Pundit squares measure the probability or likelihood of a genetic outcome based on a specific genetic cross. It doesn't tell you what will be, only what could be. For the simplest of Punnett squares, you'll cross two genotypes. These parent genotypes will be for the same gene but may or may not contain different alleles. Let's look at an example of a genetic cross for eye color, green eyes being dominant and blue eyes being recessive. And we'll use big G, little g for the maternal genotype and little g, little g for the paternal. So this is our cross. The mother has green eyes and the father has blue eyes. We want to see the probability that their offspring will have either green or blue eyes. For this cross, we'll draw a square split into four quarters, like a simple four-panel window. This is the Punnett square. One of the parental genotypes will go on top, and the other will go on the side. It doesn't matter which genotype goes where, and the order of the letters really doesn't matter, but we conventionally write the dominant allele first, if there is a dominant allele. So your setup should look like this. Then you simply carry the letters through to their respective quadrants and match them up, like so. Right, each quadrant will represent a 25% chance that that genotype will result in the offspring. So in this case, we have only two possible genotypes, big G, little g, and little g, little g. And each genotype has a 50% chance of showing up in the offspring. Similarly, you have two possible phenotypes, green eyes and blue eyes, with a 50% chance of each. Let's look at another example. Uh, we'll cross two genes that are heterozygous. So, sorry, I'm having a hard time because I can't hear the audio, but I assume that played all the way through. So what is dominant and what is recessive? This is the thing. You don't know until you do the work. This is why real breeding is two steps forwards and one step back when you start. You need to take notes off the offspring and the parents you news note Note the percentage of each phenotype and work backwards to determine the dominant and recessive traits. So you don't know what big X and little x are when you start. You don't know if one plant is breeding true, meaning that it's too big X or too little X and all its resulting offspring are going to be the same. So you have to determine this when you start with two different hybrid plants and you don't know where, where to start as far as what is dominant, what is recessive. Like Then you can finally understand what probability you'll have of future offsprings when you can get to, to the point where you can determine what is dominant and what is recessive amongst the breeding line that you're working on. So let's make an F2. This is kind of something I just wanted to, this is in its simplest terms. If you buy a pack of seeds, if again, for the guys who might already be lost, if you buy a pack of seeds, 
This is how you make more seeds of the same seed pack that you just bought. And I would highly recommend doing this to anybody who spends a lot of money on seed packs and you want to increase the number of seeds that you have and we'll explain what is an F2 and how do you make an F2. An F2 is simply from the same seed pack that you buy or maybe one or two packs that you buy, you're going to choose the best male and the best female and cross them together to create more seeds. This is an F2 generation. It's like, definitely do this in a separate area. Put your male into flower about five days before you flower your female. This is to jumpstart your pollen production ahead of your female plant. You, can, you don't have to do this. If you start all your seeds at the same time and you just want to let the, pick the best male and the female, that will totally work. But in a perfect scenario, I like to start my males a few days ahead of my females so they're a little bit ahead, growing taller, above the canopy, everything else. Um, but yeah. Add a female plant to flower and wait for the pollen to begin dropping on the male plant. It should happen in about two weeks. Once the pollen is dropping, shake the male rapidly to release the pollen from the sacs and allow it to settle on the white pistils of the female flowers. Finish growing the flower as normal. So you can expect anywhere from about 100 to 500 seeds from a single small closet-sized plant. Uh, make sure you take the seeds to completion. Normally, and this is almost always, an F2 plant will express 25% of a mother plant, 25% of the father plant, and 50% hybrid or a mix of both. So if you have a plant and you know one side of the cross is something that you're really into, you can make F2s and generally find 25% of that mother plant within the seed stock, 25% of the father also, and 50% right down the middle or hybrids of either or. Um, but that's the, generally the law of F2s. Here's male pollen. I just wanted to show you a picture. It looks like white or yellow powder. So once you let your males go, a lot of you guys just kill your males because you're scared of them. Once you let your males go, you'll start to see this. And when you see this, this is the point when your males have started to release their pollen. This is the time where you want to, you can either collect this pollen, but like, as I mentioned, I would have your male already in a separate room. This should happen about two weeks into flower. You're starting to see these drop. Now you have your female plants around and this white powder that you see or yellowish dust powder, that, that's what you want to sprinkle onto your white pistols. Okay. Making uh, F3s, F4s, F5s, IBLs. So again, to make an F3, this is uh, best to do with your, F, your best F2 male that you just found from your project, and again, and your female. This is where I say, this is where real breeding begins, because you have the choice of taking the 25% of the mother line, or 25% of the father line, and then going on down those routes, or you could take one of the hybrid or the offspring and begin breeding those together. So the F2s open up the world of breeding to a real breeder. From there, he has ability to go many different directions. Um, but once you lock down which direction that you're gonna go, um, again, you choose moving, fo moving forward. You repeat to the F4, you repeat to the F5, the exact same process I showed in the F2s where you're basically crossing siblings, your best siblings. Um, once you, cross that, once you cross that F5 threshold, it's generally considered to be an IBL. And you're obviously, as you're breeding, I, I kind of jump forward, but as you're breeding through the F3, the F4, and the F5, you're only breeding for the specific trait that you chose at that F2 generation. You said, this is the point where I'm choosing to breed this direction, looking for either the dominant or the recessive to breed true. So you're looking for that big X or little X or that little X, little X, and you want to breed that true from this point forward. So in the F3, you're looking for that same allele or gene to show up. In the F4, you're looking for that same gene or allele to show up so that you can cross into that again. And once you do that on the F5 process, by the, um, 
after f after f five by the pundit square should read all big x or all little x if you completed the process correctly, and then you'll have what's considered a pure bread line, meaning that every seed that you start from that point forward will be identical in not size, shape, and everything, but identical plants. It'll share the same traits, characteristics. So if you're breeding for a leaf curl or crank, crinkle like the pea pods in Mendel, that's that's what you're looking to establish. If you're if you're breeding for a trait or a flower or a terp, you can essentially get to where all the plants are going to taste the same at an F5 version. Many people will go beyond this. Some people will dispute F5 isn't an IBL. You need to go further. But if you're doing true breeding and you've identified your markers or your your big X, your little X, you should be able to lock it down by an F5 and get it to a purebred line. Backcrossing. Backcrossing is not breeding. Um, backcrossing is a technique. Blind backcrossing does nothing but increases your chance of unwanted recessive genes coming through. You need to understand what alleles are dominant and recessive before you can begin backcrossing for a specific trait, meaning that you must understand if you have a big X or a little X or big X, big X or little X, little X. As breeding a parent before you begin, um, I'm sorry, as a breeding parent before you begin the back cross. So again, you need to know what your parents are before you can even start back crossing the, the entire plant. Back crossing is the act of taking offspring back to the original donor plant, not its, not its siblings, back to the original donor plant to stabilize it in seed form all the way out to F5 once again for the IBL of the inbred line of the, of the back cross of a specific strain. But the backcrossing is not technically breeding, it's a technique used to create a line. S1 or fem seed. S1 stands for self. It means it pollinated itself. That's all it means, self. Self-plant, self-pollination. It's possible to spray chemicals such as colloidal silver, colloidal silver um, to reverse female flowers to produce male pollen sacs. Uh, when the pollen is then dropped on the same female clone that it came from, so if I pollinate Bruce Banner, I'm sorry, if I reverse Bruce Banner 3 and I pollinate Bruce Banner 3 um, to the exact same plant, again, usually in a clone form, um, that it came, it produces an S1 fem seed. This should be thought of as a copy of the clone in seed form in theory, although it does not always work with all genetics, specifically with all genetics. Not all plants reverse well or produce viable pollen, and you're not getting an exact clone but we're trying to recreate that clone in its closest form through the S1. Um, again, there's a lot of debate on how close that copy truly is, but it does help, like, a lot of guys did this with the OGs early on where they just reversed it to the OG back to try to self it um, and keep that, that OG or that sour diesel, that flavor, that taste, without doing a true proper breeding line where they established Big X, Little X and did the entire F4, F5 project and worked it out where they bred true lines they can just shortcut it by doing an S1. Caring for seeding plants, seeded plants. So again, back to your F2s that you're creating, your F3s or your first breeding project, here's a few tips on caring for these plants that you've just pollinated. Plants that are seeded are believed to produce more resin and have higher THC as a defense mechanism for the baby seeds that are within. Don't feed a pregnant plant the same as a commercial flower with high PPMs. Back off your newts. Add bamboo or trellis for support and structure. Never let your seed plant wilt or dry out. When your plant wilts, it kills all the cells in the cell walls. You don't want to do that. It requires photosynthesis to rebuild that cell wall. This goes for all plants at all times, but particularly on a seed crop, you really don't want to kill all the cells in your plant. Um, you bring it back to life. Uh, that's a, not what you want to do. Seeds will sometimes fall out of the seed bract um, early or even when it's ripe, they'll start popping out and fall. So you have to pay attention. 
Um, when you think your seeds are done, trust me, go another week. It's the same old theory with you think your weed's done, go a week. When you think your seed's done, go a week. One other thought on seeds is if you were to pollinate a little bit late in flower, you missed, you didn't do it right in the first two weeks or whatever, don't worry so much. Continue to flower your plants and check the status of your seeds by pulling them out, looking at them. Are they tiger striped? Are they dark? Are they light and pale? If they're, if they're still pale, continue to flower your plant. Um, the, the pollination process or the, the seed making process will continue even if you're beyond the regularly scheduled flower time of your plant. You can continue to make those seeds week 10, 11, 12 and finish those seeds out. So don't cut your plant just because your plant's done. Cut your plants when your seeds are done. Early seed formation and seed finishing. This is just a picture I wanted to show you. This is what seeds look like early when you know you've pollinated. Look for the seed bract. The seed bract can be found pretty much all over the plant, within the bud, on the nodes. Um, a lot of times it'll be around uh, the petiole of the fan leaf. But uh, early seed formation, you can look. It looks like little balls forming in there. Don't touch them. Don't squeeze them. Don't pull them out. Just leave them. Um, seed finishing. This is what I was talking about. Sometimes seeds will fall out of the bract. So if you look here on the right, sometimes the seeds will be so done and ripe that they'll just fall out. So uh, keep if you have a lot of different crosses together, you may want to separate these at the end with some sort of dividers or something so you don't mix your seeds that fall out. Uh, it, they will come out. It's strain dependent, too. Some strains fall out more than others. <laughs> this is kind of a joke, but it's the truth. This is why your favorite breeder sucks, myself included. I'm not calling anybody out. But most cannabis seed companies on the market or most cannabis seeds on the market is just an F1 hybrid. It's not a breeding project. That's important to remember. All, the, all you guys are generally buying out here is just F1s. Um, no breeding. Real breeding requires a large selection of population, not a male from a pack. You gotta understand alleles. You gotta, you gotta be breeding for a goal. It's a, you're a breeder when you become breeding for a goal, as opposed to making an F1 to release. Uh, fem seeds is not breeding, it's seed production in bulk. Y you know, using a male is what creates the next offspring and the next line moving forward. You just using fem pollen, uh, you just, you're just producing the same shit and pumping it out over and over and over again. I would say it's not even really breeding to use fem pollen. Um, I know that's going to be controversial for some, but uh, yeah, they're, they're it. but here's the, here's the catch-all. There's no price incentive to do real work. The same shit crossed to the same shit equals more of the same shit. So the only thing I'll say about this is if I were to take a, the best plants on the market and take them all the way to F5 and 6 and 7 or what is completely stable and inbred line the best I can through massive selections, determining the alleles all along the way and mapping it, charting it, putting them out so I know in seed form everything is 100% stable, it would take me two or three years per strain across a platform of 10 strains. I do all that work and by the time I'm done, you guys are going to buy that pack for $100 because you don't understand there's a difference between throwing pollen on some plant and getting F1s and putting them out with a fancy name and a pretty label and all that bullshit versus a guy who does the long work, which would be auto breeders. Shout out to Daz if he's around watching. But auto breeders need to go to at least F3 before they see a return in the auto in their work. So auto breeders fully understand what they're doing and doing the long work, whereas opposed to your favorite breeder, whoever the fuck he may be, is slapping pollen, on top of a fucking male, on a, on a female that he just got, and it's a fucking simple fucking F1 hybrid. 
Uh, now, I've, now, there is breeders who do F2s, 3s, and 4s. I've done some lawn work. I'm not going to say all of them, you know. I mean, we did F3. This is the thing with F3 or F4 also, Bruce Banner for experience. I took Bruce Banner on a back cross, as we mentioned, what a back cross is in here, all the way up to F3. And as I was doing it, I was stabilizing what I considered to be the Bruce Banner 3 phenotype. And that's what I was going for, the one that won all the cannabis cups, the high THC. By the time that I got to the F3 generation, I noticed my potency had dipped down. It's supposed to be the strongest strain on earth. It's supposed to be 28%. It was dipping down to the low 20s. I wasn't happy with that. So rather than I, I, my only option at that point, instead of go to the F4 it was to continue, was to go all the way back to the F2, start the entire project over, and do the work all the way back out to the F4. I'm actually doing that. It's taken me, I've already done it for four years, and now I'm redoing the work to get back to where I want to go, where it's more stable in the Bruce Banner 3 phenotype and isolate those phenos in seed form. But it just shows you can do the work, get to a point where you run into a dead end or you're not happy with where you're going, and the only way to go forward is to go backwards. So real breeding is not slapping pollen on shit, putting a name out, and making the internet go crazy because you use two hype strains. All right, moving forward. Best breeding practices. This I kind of already went over. This is supposed to be sort of at the end of this deal. But again, I'll, I want to highlight this one thing. If you're an aspiring breeder, make your own males. Because if you hit every hot clone in the world to your super stud male that you made, no one can really say anything. But if I were to take males from every breeder in the market and then hit them to every other breeder in the market's females and release them and say, this is my work, it's not really your work. It's you're using someone else's shit to get to where you're going. As I mentioned, everyone does in some sense but you're going to be way better to enter the market if you enter the market with your own stud, your own male. And you get away with it in some sense where using your own male means you can hit it to almost any female in the world. But, you know, you can't, it just sort of, that's just sort of the way it goes. So I would highly encourage people to develop their own males, develop their own lines, introduce themselves with their own lines. And if you have a hit splash, you're going to make a hit splash. If you're just a hobby closet grower and you want to produce more seed for next year, just make those F2s of everything you have and hit two or three plants and you're going to have a thousand seeds before you know it, way more than you're ever going to need. And it makes that pack of seeds you bought for a couple hundred dollars worth its value, a hundred times worth its value. Shit, that's the end of it. All right, let's open it up to some questions. That was a little clunky. I didn't really practice or anything. All right, that's all I kind of have for best breeding practices, uh, my sort of breeding rundown. But go ahead and shoot off some questions. Caesar, read them out if you see anything you want to. Anybody wants to ask, I'll hang out and smoke the joint. I tried to smoke for an hour. <laughs> Wop. How do you produce your own males? It's, it's a good question in the sense that, like, I don't, we don't know what you mean, dude. So I guess to produce your own male would simply be um, if I want to, if I have two unique straight, like if I'm starting from a place of zero, but I know I like Kush and I like Sour Diesel, I'm going to take an OG, something that I like out there in the world, and I'm going to go find a male somewhere that's going to have some OG into it, someone else's work. And I'm going to take that male and hit it to this OG or this Sour that I have. And now I've created a sour OG. 
but it's not my shit. I just can't release that shit. But that's the building blocks for when I take this strain and then I make that strain into F2, 3, or 4, I could then release the males from that strain saying, although I started from a place of A using homie's work, I'm now here with my own male that I've created and I'm hitting it to this stuff. It's an extension removed and it, it helps a lot in distinguishing yourself. But again, male selection is key in breeding. You can't just grab any male. You've got to be able to pick the right male and move it forward and also admit defeat when that male's wrong or take multiple males and tons of notes. You're going to take tons of notes on all the, all the different males and their offspring so you know what that produces. <clears throat> Do you prefer males or females from pests slash mold-resistant traits? I don't think it really matters, males or females, as far as... That's just going to be a trait that you're going to find, like a Durbin's really, uh, sorry, I didn't tell the question, but uh, it says, do, do you, uh, you look at males or females more when breeding pest-resistant strains? And my answer would be that it doesn't really matter male or female as much as just look at a strain that you know is pest-resistant and try to determine is that allele going to be dominant or recessive and breed forward and see if you can't breed that into something. Imagine how awesome it would be to breed a plant that you know is PM resistant and it's it's a it breeds true it's a purebred it's double big x and it's and it's going to be again um you know resistant to, to pm you could hit that to any that super male that you just created you could hit that to any clone only in the world especially one susceptible to pm and then make it stronger and you've just you know supersized or super immune protected you know any strain that you decide to hit to it so there's benefits of determining what your alleles are can you use feminized stock for breeding? Is it worth it? Um, there's another point about that is uh, I don't think I talked about this, but bag seed. A lot of you guys have bag seed that you've been collecting. Bag seed is almost 100% S1s and 100% female, almost 100% garbage. But there is merits to starting some bag seed. I'm not saying don't start them, but they're never going to be males. They're always going to be females, and they're almost always self-plants. It's just an S1. As far as breeding with female or with fems, I generally don't do it. Um, that's just a, I don't have hard science on why or why not, but I generally don't do it because I feel the stress that's, cre that's created or the blocking that's created within the, the feminization process can tend to create hermaphrodites. We've seen it. So I don't tend to breed regular seeds with female donors unless I have to, with feminized seed donors, I mean, unless I have to. Um, but you certainly can. It also talks about breeding in or out hermaphroditic traits or intersex traits. You can, you, you know, you can breed stuff out, or uh, unfortunately, you can breed stuff in if you're not paying attention. But um, yeah, if you're if you're good at your reading your alleles and you're picking out your your big X and your little X on your feminization breeds, then it will work for you. But if you're kind of slapping some shit together, generally you're going to get into a hermy mess sometimes. Isn't the most hype stuff bag seed or am I wrong? Sometimes. That's why I say don't it's not always not worth starting your bag seed. I think some of the greatest strains came out of bag seeds by accident. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, as far as you getting a bag seed of Bruce Banner and thinking, Oh, I got the Bruce Banner, it's like not really. You can have a weird bastard not supposed to happen because it wasn't even a true reversal. It's just like or you have pollination from something else on a herm in the room. 
that hermed and then pollinated the other plants all around it. So it's a bastard. You have no idea what the hell you have. <clears throat> can you hit a true male to a fem seed and can there be any harm problems with that? If you, if you have a good true male, like I was talking there, um, if it's, as long as we talk about true in the sense of uh, stability, you'll generally be okay on that, that, that first cross because it's gonna breed true and that big X is gonna cross into every generation. But once you, now you know you have hermaphrodite or intersex or hermaphrodite uh, recessive in those genes. So as you move forward in your F2, or I'm sorry, your F3s and F4s, you're gonna start to see those pop up at 25% you know, ratio. So you can't really even justify selling those seeds or unless you do the project to get through it to make sure that, you know, again, that's why I say it does breed true for a generation, but it doesn't necessarily go all the way down the line. A little bit more on the backcrossing idea is essentially the difference. Backcrossing is what we might call cubing. Um, cubing is when you're taking the same plant back to the original Bruce Banner. So let's talk about Bruce Banner 3 and the backcross of Bruce Banner 3. So to make it like original Bruce Banner, we just did a, a, a F1 hybrid and then tried to breed that true all the way out to F4. But on the Bruce Banner 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0, it was a backcross project to the Bruce Banner 3, meaning that on the 2.0 and the 3.0, I went back to the Bruce Banner 3 mother each time, as opposed to a traditional breeding project where I'll just continue crossing the F2s together and the F3s together and the F4s together. So again, backcrossing is a method used within breeding um, to attempt to stabilize out a particular pheno that people like into a seed form. I would say backcrossing is a lost art because everyone S1s everything now. But to truly do the backcross work to an F4 or 5 and create that in seed form is invaluable. Not, I don't do many backcrosses with the male P1 version. I generally just use the P1 and stay there at the P1 as far as what he's, talk, what he's talking about is the first generation of male, and I'll just stay with the same stud male. The other thing to remember is you should be keeping these, these males. Once you find the ones that rocks and you know what's what, obviously you have a clone of that, so you're keeping that same male over and over and over again, which makes your breeding library, your stud portfolio, way easier when you walk into a room and say, hmm, I've got a dope Thanos male, I've got a banner male, I've got this male, and I'm going to hit it to this hot new fucking cookies this, or this hot new Skittles that, or you know what I mean? It's like, it, you know, you, and also you already know the probability of where you're gonna go. That's also why I talk about being a real breeder, is if you know the probabilities of what's to come and you can predict the probabilities accurately, sell that on to your customer, now you're truly breeding, as opposed to, again, as we said, slapping shit together. We're in the last few minutes. Why do some breeders, sorry, I'm going to scroll fast. Why do some breeders hit the work line, say F4, back to the original mother plant to preserve traits when you fuck it all up, introducing potentially new different phenos? Interesting question. Um, that would be, I would say they would go back to original mother plant because similar to what I was talking about on Bruce Banner, 
when you get to that F3 and you're, you're seeing genetic drift a little bit from the original goal target being a high THC and strawberry tasting and good structure and you know so a lot of guys will say fuck I'm kind of losing it and rather than start the project over and try to breed it true all the way to the F4 they'll go back to that original mother and in an attempt to back cross after getting to the F3 um, it makes sense it's not bad practice but at the same time it's probably not I don't know it's probably not the truest way of getting to where they're wanting to go it's sort of a shortcut back road Not a breeding question, but maybe you could get into tissue culture to help you get rid of the hops latent virus and other systemic illnesses. Honestly, MX-166, I need an education on um, uh, tissue culture. We've tried it twice, failed miserably. It's incredibly difficult to do, the cleanliness factor of it. We built a lab, a miniature lab in the back of the facility, and we had two contracted people working there that came straight from college in, in uh, tissue culture labs and uh, they could not get cannabis to to work in our tissue culture lab. It's something to do with the uh, the substrate that they were doing was showing mold every time, and they were clean. They had all this hazardous, not hazardous, but um, cleaning materials to steam clean the shit, everything. Everything was sterile as fuck, and they still had mold problems. So, um, But as you're, what you're talking about, you're specifically talking about, I believe, is trying to remove illnesses from plants through tissue culture to, you know, um, Yes, in theory, 100% can be done. It can also reinvigorate a line, but um, again, this is in practice. I haven't seen this done in real life. I've only read about this. I've seen this. I've heard this is true, but um, yeah, my Bruce Banner 3 is not the same plant. It's not as good as it was 20 years ago. I'm not uh, scared to even say that. It's just like sour diesel or OG Kush. It's not the fucking same. So if I can have it tissue cultured and bring it back and all of a sudden I flower it and it's like, holy fuck, it's just like it was fucking 20 years ago, I'm fully on board. But I haven't seen that come into real practice. I've only seen that talked about. So, and if that is true, then I'll sign up for it. But uh, at this point, like I said, after two failed attempts, many thousands spent, um, I'm you know I'm not a tissue culture PhD. I can't really answer. Any other questions? Going once. I'm not on IG. I don't know if IG is even going. Yeah. Uh, it, was there any IG questions? Say it one more time. As you keep fixing to isolate the traits you want, does that reduce the probability of the unicorn presenting itself in the project? Yes. So essentially what he's saying is as you isolate down the line F234, does it reduce the chances of a unicorn popping up? Um, 100%. Because you're, you're working its way to where it's going to be true bread line, all big X or all little X. And uh, yeah, it, it would certainly reduce the chances of unicorns popping up because you're going to be 20, at the F2, you're 25% Mother, father, 50% hybrid. Uh, F3, you're 50-50. F4, you're 75-25. And F4, you're supposed to be around 100%. With a little wiggle room in there. F5, rock solid, all the same. Big X, big X, little X, little X, whatever it may be, all across the board. So, yes, you're certainly going to reduce unicorns popping out every, every generation. Best time to dust with pollen? It depends on the strain, but I would say... 
week two to week three, I like to target around day 18, day 18, day 21. That's sort of my window that I always like. But uh, you can go early and you can go late and you can go often. So it, don't, it doesn't really matter. It's not like just don't miss the window. Just drop the shit out of pollen on them fuckers. I think that's going to be a wrap, dudes. I think that's breeding 101 class, Dark Horse style, Super Bowl Sunday edition. Cool. Well, with that said, man, um, I'm going to sign this fucker off. That was breeding. I may have made some mental errors or stepped over my words a little bit. So if I watch it back, I'll try to correct it in the comments or something. But uh, that's breeding basics, breeding 101. I could talk about breeding in much more detail, and I have a lot more to learn about breeding in more detail. So I'm always a student of the game, and I would say, um, yeah, one thing I will hype on is this last thing here when I sign off. Is remember, nobody owns this plant. People have done ugly things in the name of cannabis breeding, but they all had to use someone else's work before them to get where they wanted to go. I've yet to meet the breeder who never used anyone else's work. Ethics matter to me. So... Um, yeah, make new shit, make cool shit, make your own shit, and um, stupid shit cross to stupid shit equals stupid shit, so let's not do any more of that stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm going to sign this fucker off. Go uh, Chiefs. Oh, I got a G-bar on that bitch. All right, everybody. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Happy Groundhog's Day, by the way. Peace. We out of here. Little power gay fish come sit on my shoulder today. Little gay parrot fish sit on my shoulder today and make me a fried shrimpy dish with some soy sauce, baby. As the beat drops, super super fries, super fried egg roll, triple fried fried rice, triple fried rice, baby. Two for one egg roll, super triple fried rice, triple fried rice, baby. Don't forget the soy sauce. Chan chan chan. There's my gay fish song, dudes. What? <laughs>